RadioInfluence.com. We'll break down and unpack the real catalyst, what's really driving the left's gun control, gun rights agenda with Second Amendment advocate Dan Wass on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. This interview was conducted with Dan shortly after I heard his presentation entitled Anti-Gun Propaganda the first Friday in May at the Rock the Red Convention in Greenville, South Carolina. Sadly, there have been several tragic mass shootings since then. Senseless killings have existed since Cain took the life of his brother Abel with the equivalent of a brick at the beginning of time. It's a part of life among fallen people. That's one thing. But issues such as gun grabs, universal background checks, red flag laws, gun violence, and ghost guns, all geared to bring about the Second Amendment's alteration and subsequent removal, are bait-and-switch maneuvers we can't afford to give into. Why not? Let's get into it. He is a nationally recognized Second Amendment advocate, the author of Good Gun, Bad Guy series, and host of Good Gun, Bad Guy radio, and The Loaded Mic. You got to hear The Loaded Mic, people. You got to listen to the both. You got to listen to both of them. He speaks at events such as the Rock the Red Convention in Greenville, South Carolina, where I heard and met Dan earlier this month, and he's a contributing writer for numerous publications. He can be heard on numerous radio stations across the country, on shows including The Sean Hannity Show and NRA TV. He's a rock-solid voice who exposes the strategies of the anti-gun crowd and explains their mission to disarm law-abiding American gun owners Happy to bring to the show, Dan Wass. How you doing, Dan? Well, thanks for that great introduction, Gary. I'm doing I'm doing fine, thanks. H- how are you? I'm doing fine, Dan, and, and meeting you and Sue and spending time with you guys down in Greenville was a pleasure because, you know, it's not just seeing the guests for me, it's also being able to correspond, uh, bond, and get to speak off camera or in a situation where we can learn more and find out more about what people are about and why they do what they do and say what they say. So let's start right there. How did you get into and why did you get into defending our Second Amendment? Well, okay, this is an interesting story. And I, I tell the I tell the story in detail in, in my book, Good Gun, Bad Guy. But um, it really, <clears throat> it was accidental. The whole thing was accidental. And the way it, the way it started was one night, uh, Sue and I, my wife, were coming out of a late night movie theater in Albany, New York, at Crossgates Mall, and we had a run in with this guy. And you know, luckily everything ended fine. We were safe and nobody got hurt. Um, but it was just enough to to make me think about. Uh, my responsibility to defend my, be able to defend my wife, my son, and myself. And uh, it changed the way I thought about guns that night. Um, so I, I, su- I assume he was packing. He was carrying a piece. Well, I don't know. I, oh, I have, okay. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, it, 
it was a, it could have been a bad situation. And uh, like I said, I give all the details in the, in the book, but um, you know, the thing is, I didn't know if he was, if he had a gun or I didn't know if he had friends around the corner. I didn't know what could happen. There's all sorts of possibilities that went through my head. Um, But I had, at the time, I was kind of on the anti-gun side of the conversation, believe it or not, even though I had been raised in a pro-gun family. So my my father took me hunting and target shooting and stuff, but uh, I had gone kind of lefty uh, in my 20s and into my 30s because I was kind of, like, like I like to say, I was hanging with the wrong crowd mm-hmm. and it wasn't bank robbers or or drug dealers. It was anti-gun liberals. And what happened is that stuff kind of got in my head and I started to, you know, go that way. And it was it was really kind of a strange thing because that night when coming out of the movie theater, everything changed. All you all I needed was a little bit of an awareness and a little bit of a, a moment to to kind of push me back into a sense of reality and understand, hey, maybe it's a good idea to be able to carry a gun to protect myself, my family, and the good people around me. So so my my whole mindset changed in that night. And it was really one of those things where it all happened at once. So so anyway, um after that night I wrote it I wrote an article called uh The Fear of Guns and it got picked up by some websites and I was shocked. I was like, wow, this is this is pretty interesting. You know, I've never written anything before in my life. And and all of a sudden these websites are picking up this story. So, so that was kind of, that was kind of cool. I'm like, I was thinking to myself, well, I'm not really a, a, a writer and I'm not a, a, a gun owner, but everything changed that night. And I became a gun owner. And I, not only that, I became a second amendment advocate because I started to see how badly the political left tries to demonize gun rights and gun owners. And the more I got into the conversation, the more I researched, and by the way, that article, uh, you can still find that article, Mm -hmm. The Fear of Guns, and uh, it turned into the first chapter of my first book, Good Gun, Bad Guy. And then from that point on, Good Gun, Bad Guy kind of wrote itself because as I was writing the book, I was researching and I was coming up with more and more stuff and I was amazed at the at just how influential and deceitful the political left is when it comes to the topic of guns. And I started to recognize all their strategies and I started to dissect the strategies and I started to look at, at their propaganda and their rhetoric. And it, it just started to unfold and, and it got bigger and bigger. Um, I realized that I was onto something that nobody else was really talking about. And that was. Uh, uncovering the anti-gun lies and and exposing them to the rest of the country and and letting people know just how just how bad they are um, they're lying about the gun conversation and just how easily it is for them to convince some people to think differently about guns. Uh, so that the first book kind of wrote itself. The second book came along where I started talking about. Um, the 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 way the media gets involved in the whole thing in the anti-gun uh, propaganda, and then the third book started, and that was um, the third book, Good Gun Bad Guy Three, is m- mostly about the politics behind 
the gun grab, why they want an unarmed population. Um, so I got to tell you, I went from being kind of on the anti-gun side of the conversation to to recognizing how important it is to be a conservative and how important it is to support our Second Amendment. My world completely changed. I hear you. And, and what is so uh, important about this, Dan, is you came from one side to another. So when people say, ah, he's just a conservative, what does he know? See, you've lived it, you know it. And I, and that's the thing we even talk about when we talk about people that think that communism is a Che Guevara t-shirt and free stuff. Go live in Venezuela for a week and you'll find yeah. out what it's about. So since you, uh, you talked about the things that they do to try and push this agenda, let's give the people one example. And we're gonna unpack a lot of stuff here, folks, but let's give them one example about how they work this gun grab thing. So the gun grab now is based on gun violence. Please tell people, why gun violence has become the be-all and the end-all talking point to the gun grab. Okay, well, it's it's a bit complicated, but let's start with the term gun violence. It's a, it's a term that really has no basis in reality. In other words, there's no such thing as gun violence. There's no such thing as, you know, there, there just isn't any, it doesn't exist. Gun violence doesn't actually exist. What we're talking about is human violence. Right. But what they like to do is they like to associate violence with guns. And if you look at, if you go take the simple route and look at the Webster's Dictionary definition, you'll see, well, you have to, it's interesting now looking at Webster's Dictionary, you have to go back. I have a Webster's Dictionary from the 30s um, where you can get actual accurate definitions because if you go to Google something and you look for the definition now, they're changing definition. Mm -hmm. It's it's really it's really spooky, actually. But anyway, <clears throat> so um, if you look at everybody knows what a gun is. So it can be a rifle, it can be a shotgun, it can be a handgun, whatever. Everyone's got an image of gun in their mind. When you say the word gun, you envision something, and you just did in your mind. As soon as I said the word gun, you envision you envisioned it. It's it's a reactive thing. We already know what gun is. The problem is we also know what violence is. And when you look at the definition of violence, violence is a, is a behavior. And it, it, that's the actual definition. It's a behavior. And when you look at the, at the definition for the word behavior, you, you learn that a behavior can only be acted out by a human or an animal. So violence really has to have some sort of life force behind it, some sort of um, uh, free will uh, or or a, a sense of a cause causality behind it. So like a person uh, can can be violent and uh, a gun can't be violent. But the way they take the word, the term gun and put it along with the word violence, you you create this scenario in your mind of a gun actually committing the act of violence or a gun behaving in a certain way. And, and, and the idea behind the term gun violence is to take the human element out of it. Because with the right terminology and the right propaganda, words can make us envision things that don't actually exist. So you can, you can actually, with the term gun violence, you can actually convince people that it's the gun 
that's being violent or that's the gun that's behaving in a certain way. And, um, you know, we even have movies that will enforce right, this type right. of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you saw the- I saw uh, one on your website, yeah. Yeah, True Lies was a movie uh, with, what's her name from Halloween? Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. And she was she was in it. And um, in the movie, you see, uh, I think it was- I think it was like an M10 or something. It was a coming down the stairs, firing on its own. (laughs) It was a fully automatic uh, handgun. Well, handgun. Yeah. And it was bouncing down the stairs. And every time it bounced down the stairs, it would it would spray rounds of of bullets and it would the, the bullets would 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 uh kill bad guys. So this gun in the way they filmed the movie was bouncing down the stairs, kind of acting on its own behaviorally, almost behaving in a certain way all by itself. And you can do that in movies, but the the reality is it doesn't happen in real life. But when you take the term gun violence and you push it out there into the public forum and you accompany it with things like this, with the movies and you accompany it with, with scary photos and, and all sorts of other propaganda, you can actually get people to believe that guns can act or behave on their own in a violent manner and or that guns can cause people to behave in a certain way. So these are all psychological uh, tricks and and strategies that the anti-gun crowd uses to convince people to fear guns and hate gun owners because, of course, gun owners support Second Amendment rights. So it's all part of the game. That's just one thing. So that's just yeah. that's just I gun it. violence. I, in the book, I talk about a lot more of this stuff, and I break it down so people can really understand what's going on, what does the propaganda mean, and what is the intent behind it. Right. And something that you had in one of your uh, on, on one of your loaded mics. People need to understand this. Just think about this from a guy that most people consider to be a very bright man. Albert Einstein said nothing happens until something moves. That's right. Right. Break that down. Explain to people that don't get it. If you put a gun and just lay it there and you have it loaded, it will stay there the rest of eternity. Unless somebody picks it up and does something with it. Now, the media knows this, Dan, and and here's here's people. If you don't get it, here's what should explain it to you. If a black guy shoots somebody, you don't hear a peep from the mainstream media, but let a white guy shoot somebody and all heck breaks loose. They want to take our guns away, this, that and the other thing. If gangbangers. And their minorities are killing people or shooting people or robbing people. You don't hear a word. But just let one white guy, not a million, not a zillion, just one, go in and shoot somebody. Now they got to take our guns away. That should yeah. prove the disingenuousness of it, right? And, and you, know what the, you know what that comes down to? It really comes down to Democrats using black people for votes. And I've seen this now for a good decade in real full force where they're starting to demonize white people and make white people 
look bad, calling us white supremacists and all the other nonsense, and then, you know, covering up, you know, acts of violence when black people commit it because they know that they don't want to to demonize black people because they the Democrats, that is, they Mm -hmm. need they need that the the black vote, as they say. Um, It's probably the most despicable thing that anybody can do to any race. And um, I just I recognize it. I see it. And I and I know I have a lot of black friends who also recognize it and they you know, they don't like it because people when people are used like that and they'll do it with white people, they'll do it with gay people and any any group of people, they'll they'll find a way to use them and and section them off from society and tell them that all these other people are are they should hate them. They, they, they should, you know, they're, all these other people are trying to abuse them and trying to, you know, uh, treat them badly. So come with us, the Democrats, and vote for us and we'll take care of you. It's that sort of thing. So that's why you're getting all this um, all this stuff with uh, whenever there's a gun-related issue or even just a, a murder in general. If it's a, if it's a black um, perpetrator you probably won't hear about it because it won't fit their narrative. If it's a white guy, they're going to be all over it. Now let's take it a step further and show you how evil this is. The most major cities are run by, by Democrats. So because it does, just like you said, because it doesn't fit their narrative and it's a proven fact that most crime committed by blacks are committed on blacks. So it's black on black crime. They can't afford to stop it because they don't even want you to know it exists because then they'd have to deal with the guns that the gangbangers have. And they don't want to let you know that because they want to take it away from law abiding citizens. So the people they claim that they love and want to take care of, they're watching them killing each other in their neighborhoods. They're watching little old ladies coming back from church, getting hit in the back of the head and robbed. And they'll do nothing about it because they don't want to let you know about that level of gun violence. And that's the biggest level in the country, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. If you look at any of the any of the Democrat run inner cities and that's where you're going to get the most crime. And they're typically the most uh, gun restricted areas, too, because the good people can't defend themselves. But, you know. And you're right. They don't they don't want you to know about that for political purposes, but they well, for political racial purposes. But they also don't want you to know. And they don't want to stop it either, Gary. And this is the sad part that I've realized is they don't want that the the deaths related to guns to to go down, although they say they want to stop gun-related deaths. They call it gun violence. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to even use the term, but they say they want to stop gun-related crimes, but they do not, everything they do um, does the exact opposite. What it does is it increases gun-related crimes. And the reason they do that, I believe, is because they don't actually want the the number to go down, the gun-related crimes, because if that number started to go down, Mm -hmm. like right now we're somewhere... 36,000 or so uh, gun-related deaths per year. That includes suicides, by the way. So we usually take that out of the equation. But just for the sake of numbers, you can use 36,000. If that number were to start going down and and gun ownership 
is was is going up like it has been, that doesn't look good for them because it, if gun ownership is going up and gun related deaths are going down, which is actually what happens, but they don't want that to happen. They want the gun related deaths to stay high and, and increase because that way they can push for more gun laws. But if if you actually if people actually see that gun gun purchases are skyrocketing, which they are, and gun related deaths are actually going down, which they are, they don't like that. It doesn't work for them. Right. It's the same thing when you look at poverty and look at uh, see, since they want you to be not benevolent to God, but benevolent to daddy, the government, they need to keep you down. So they really don't want you rising up into the middle class where you want to keep your money. They need to keep you down there. So while they're saying, we love you and we're going to take care of you. Yeah, they want to take care of you by keeping you on the government dime. But the only way they can do that is if you can't rise above a level where you don't need the government anymore and you can, you know, you can exist on your own. They, so they don't want you to do that. This is totally, totally evil on both sides. Hey, Dan, since we're talking about an amendment, and since you brought up Webster's Dictionary and how you can look and see how things are changing, they've kind of twisted and skewed, just like they've done all kinds of things from the Founding Fathers. Please explain what the Second Amendment is, why it is in there, which we know, and why it's so important that it remains. The Second Amendment was written to protect gun ownership of private citizens should they become victims of mm -hmm. a tyrannical government. Right. Not about individual people <laughs> are playing gun smoke in the streets. It's about <laughs> what they just left. <laughs> exactly. They they wrote that very for a very specific and the left absolutely hates the idea that they wrote that and that's the one thing if if anything makes me smile and and laugh over this whole thing it's the sheer hatred and the, and the sheer anger that lives inside these liberal progressives in their own hearts and their own minds and 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 it's because they can't get through that second amendment wall it, it was written very clearly, and and thank God for that, um, because it's been hard for them to debunk. They try every way they possibly can, but the truth is the Second Amendment was written. It says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It also talks about the militia and how a well-regulated militia is necessary to the, to the freedom of, of, of the country necessary uh, for a free state. And that meant that the people needed to have guns, number one, to form militias, number two, to fight against a tyrannical government, number three. That was very simple. And if you read it, you'll see that. And I'm, I'm sure everybody has, but uh, the political left tried to uh, try to make people believe it means something else. Okay, here's the big question, Dan. I, you know, I've had, I've been blessed over the three years that I've done this to have about 150 guests on total. And I've asked this question because it still boggles my mind in America. We have seen how in nations that have fallen, 
the first things the likes of Lenin, Stalin, Mao, Hugo Chavez, whoever did was take away the guns. Because if you have guns, you can fight back, as you said, against a tyrannical government. Why would even the people on the left, why would the people on the left actually want private citizens not to have guns? Because they've seen what's happened in every other nation. Are they that? And they saw what Stalin, they they saw what Mao did to their (coughs) followers, to the useful idiots. You don't get to rule, you get shot. So what is it? about these people that they can't look at world history and understand if you allow them to take the guns away, Hitler, I don't care who it is, we're, we're, we're finished. Well, you want to know the answer? I've thought about this a lot. Why, why would they want to do something like that? And I believe it's because they're scared of freedom. And when you, when you look at freedom in, in any, in any aspect of life, whether it's just, freedom to to get in your car and go on a vacation whatever it is there's a lot of responsibility that comes with freedom mm-hmm. and every action that we take at as a free person um an act of free will every action that we take as of as our own decision comes with equal reactions and the, we're responsible for the reaction of the actions we take. Now, it, it, we understand, most people, logical thinking people understand, if I'm going to do this, there's going to be an effect to that action. There's going to be a reaction that I'm going to be responsible for. I'm willing to take the risk, and I'm willing to, to be responsible for my actions. That's what normal people say. Sometimes I screw up, and when I do... I'll take responsibility for that. But when I succeed because of actions that I've taken in the world, I expect to reap those rewards. And that's the benefit. There's, Like I said, there's a downside of personal responsibility mm-hmm. of it. But what happens, I think, with people on the left is people who who are scared of that personal responsibility don't want to take responsibility. They grab, they're the ones who gravitate toward the left. It's not necessarily the left conditioning, although they do condition. It's not necessarily them conditioning people once they get there. It's the gravitation of people who would rather have somebody else take responsibility for their own life who gravitate toward the political left because what does the political left offer? It offers a solution to every problem. It offers um, it offers to to take the responsibility away from the person, away from the citizen. Whether we're talking about welfare, whether we're talking about safety in public, whoever you know, or whatever the situation may be, it, it tend people of that mentality tend to gravitate toward that toward that uh, ideology. And so the people who support communism really just want the government to take care of everything for them because they know that if they choose their own path, they may fail. They mm-hmm. may they may die. They may um, they may go go broke. And this is the this is why I believe um, there are people who actually support communism because it seems to them um, kind of a fail safe. Uh, for their own uh, failures. For Dan, their own- I got. I have to stop you for one second. Okay. 
earth to those who think that way, earth to those who think that way, guess what? It's never worked. Never worked. Yeah, so why right. would they continue to try? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It seems like a deranged way of living life, uh, some, supporting something like that. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's what I think. I think it's uh, they want somebody else to take care of them. They don't want to be responsible for their own actions. I hear you. Wow. Well, two things that America have heard from Democrats you know, and and they keep pushing these things. Please explain these two things to people, red flag laws and universal background checks, and then tell them what the problem is with both of them. All right. Well, how much time do we have? Well, you you know, you're a public speaker and you do shows, you know, you you got time. You can, you know, just don't put them to sleep. But, you know, how long does it take? On some shows, I have to do this stuff in bullet points. So I like having the opportunity here where I can expand on this stuff. Okay, red flags and universal bag. Let's start with red flags. So red flag laws developed out of a thing called swatting. Some people might know what swatting is. Swatting is um, was a was a an act that people would do toward gun owners, and they would they would call the cops on someone if they saw them mm-hmm. with a gun in public, and. They had no necessarily no reason. They maybe they were scared of the gun or or whatever. They started to use swatting as a, a way to punish gun owners. And the cops would show up and question the gun owner. And the gun owner would most often be like, "What the hell are you doing? I, I I'm just just uh, exercising my right. I'm not bothering anyone." But swatting eventually, and people got killed because of swatting too. There was there was actual deaths because cops would come up on people and and maybe a conflict would 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 happen and and one guy got killed because while he was cleaning his own guns uh, after he got accused of um, being a danger or a risk to society in, during a swatting situation. So swatting evolved into actual legislation, which is called extreme risk protection orders, and some states have adopted this. So. Swatting uh, turns into extremist protection order, otherwise known as red flag law. So now there's legislation that says you can accuse someone of being a risk to themselves or society. Most often, you in most states, you can do this anonymously, and the the uh, judge can order the police to take the guns, and then the gun owner has to go to court to redeem their themselves and and regain their good name. So you have to fight for your rights back and you have to fight for your good name. That's what what red flag laws are. It's a horrible thing, but it's a vehicle to confiscate gun vehicle used to confiscate guns without due process. And that's the important piece. In other words, you don't go to court and figure it out first. They take the guns first and then you go to court and figure it out. So that's red flag laws. Now, universal background checks are uh, basically a turn into a gun registry because they they want universal background checks, which is really just a registration of all serial numbers of every gun. And the way they get those that registration list is by doing background checks uh, for every single firearm transaction that happens. In other words, if I wanted to give you a gun or wanted to give a, even a, a stepson, like a non-blood related, um, they're talking about having that as a as a problem i wouldn't be able to give my stepson or 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 if i had a stepson or 
or somebody like that. So you wouldn't be able to exchange guns without it going through an FFL, without the, the serial number being registered. So what does that do? Well, it basically creates a registry. And I, I never thought that the Second Amendment allowed for government to know who owns guns and where they're located. In fact, it was the exact opposite. opposite. When our founding fathers, they basically said it's none of the government's damn business who has guns and where they're located. But somehow we've gone down this path where all of a sudden everybody thinks that that you should have your guns registered. And this is, again, this is more conditioning and more propaganda from the left that teaches people this nonsense. But anyway, so you have universal background checks, which are first, which are basically a, a registry uh, of gun owners and, and where the guns are located, but they run it in tandem and they're trying to push that along with red flag laws because in order to to confiscate the guns with red flag laws, you first need to know where, you know they, where they are. Right. And that's where that's why you'll see red flag laws being pushed almost in tandem with uh, with universal background checks. Yeah. See, and and you know what what's interesting about this. People think about one thing. The universal background checks will do nothing to get guns off the street from criminals, gang members, and people who use guns for bad intentions because they're not going to get legal guns. They're not going to go through the registry and go through the process to get a legal gun. They're getting they're, they're getting guns on the black market or whatever the street, wherever they get them. Those guns aren't going to be registered, so who is it going to hurt again? Us. Speaking about hurting, uh, Dan, I remember when I was a kid, and most kids are afraid of ghosts, unless it's Casper, and of course, you know, the friendly ghost. <laughs> but uh, most most kids are afraid of ghosts, and, you know, it's kind of like you don't really realize when you're four or five that ghosts don't exist. But uh, the Democrats have come up with something that you've been uh, banging, you know, banging your gavel on, and they, they've come up with this uh, ghost guns thing. What? Please tell us, what are ghost guns, and why are they trying to use this to scare the heck out of us? Well, it's a perfect way to—I'm glad you brought that up right after we talked about universal background checks, because— the term ghost guns is really like, like you said, to scare people. You know, people are scared of ghosts. That's why we watch horror movies. It's 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 part of our nature. Um, ghosts kind of scare us. So anybody who doesn't know any better with respect to guns, if you attach that term ghost to guns, again, you know, we're taking terminologies and we're putting them together and we're creating visuals inside people's heads. Uh, the term ghost gun is really designed to scare people. And the, but the interesting thing is that there's a they always have if you notice with the with the left they always create a problem and but they have a solution they always have a solution to the problem, um, and and their solution is universal background check. So the mm -hmm. solution to uh, solve the ghost gun problem because they, they they want you to think that go all these unregistered guns are all over the place and everybody's getting their hands on them and they can't track them and they can't trace them and they need to be able to track and trace them to keep everybody safe but these ghost guns are so dangerous um and like i said before they shouldn't be traced in the first place it's nobody's business but people who who support this type of legislation will vote for the person who promises them 
safety, and that's always the Democrat. So um, ghost guns is a term basically to get support for universal background checks because that's always their solution. We've got this big problem that we created, right, called ghost guns. You should be very scared about it. And but we have a solution um, and that solution is universal background checks. So all you have to do is support universal background checks and we will keep you safe. In the meantime, universal background checks create that gun registry you talked about earlier and put gun owners at risk. Yeah, I hear you, Dan. You know, Dan, why is why have they been so successful as pushing this agenda when everyone must know? that more good has come out of people having guns than the slight. And, and, you know, when something does go bad, it's, you know, it's, it's a tragedy, tragedy, but most people that just have guns, peaceful abiding citizens, more good has come out of things that didn't happen because of people having guns than that don't. It's kind of like having the beware of dog sign. People don't know if they step on your property, whether you have a dog or not. They know you have a sign and they know, well, I can take this gamble if I want. Why is it they've been so successful with this and why are they doing this in the first place? Well, they're they're very successful with it because they convince people that that where there's more guns, there's going to be more crime, which is nonsense. Um, The actual opposite is true. As a matter of fact, there are studies that will show you anywhere from one and a half to two and a half million times per year in America, guns are used to save lives. They're called, mm-hmm. we call it DGUs. We call it defend, it's defensive gun use. And the interesting thing is that 90 to 95% of the time, the gun is not even used. It's just the mere mm-hmm. presence of a gun that deters the bad guy. So we're talking about two and a half million defensive gun uses per year in America. And that's two and a half million potential lives saved. And then we can go over the other side and we can talk about the number of of deaths that are where guns are used. And we're talking about about 14,400 after we take out suicides. And we have to take out suicides, by the way, because we can't attribute guns to suicides because we've learned by watching Australia that in the absence of guns, suicides doesn't suicide doesn't go down. So, so they like to use suicide as part of the, the whole their whole so-called gun violence uh, narrative, but we take it out because it doesn't belong there. In other words, if people want to kill themselves, they're going to find a way whether the gun's there or not. Mm-hmm. So we, we end up with about 14,400 gun-related deaths per year in America, uh, and, and we have a potential for two and a half million lives saved because of defensive gun uses. So all you have to do is look at those two numbers. And and to me, that's a that's a net positive for gun ownership. Right. I hear you. And it's a huge net positive. Of course, they just play up every time somebody pops somebody. So here's the big question. How much in the dark do you think society is in this regard? Well, I think I think they are pretty in the dark. I just talked to a guy um from down south i'm in new york and and but some i I talked to this guy yesterday from down south and he was very supportive of of gun rights you know he believes that we should have our right to own guns and he believes in the second amendment but he he didn't really understand 
uh, any uh, anything about what's actually going on in the political sphere. And I started telling him some of the things that, you know, he just he just kind of knew, yeah, they're coming to get our guns or trying to get our guns. And I said, yeah. And I said, and there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of things we can do. And there's a lot of very important specifics about what they're doing, the laws they're passing and and what they're trying to get through uh, that you should know about. He didn't know any of this stuff. And, and that's that seems to be pretty common with a lot of the people I talk to. Um, now, I run mostly in pro-gun circles. So the vast majority of the people that I run with and hang out with and spend time with, they're they're pretty up on this stuff. But the average person that I talk to doesn't really know a whole lot of what's going on. They just think that, well, they're coming to take our guns and there's not a heck of a lot we can do about it. Well, there's a lot we can do about it and there's a lot we are doing about it. But the but people need to get educated on the topic in the in and they need to get more into the details of what the the Democrats are trying to do with respect to gun rights um, so they can get a good visual on what's going on. And and I think the 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 average person is you know, doesn't know, really doesn't know the details and the important stuff behind the scenes. Um, so, so yeah, I hope that answered your question. It did, but it raises the other bigger question is, okay, how do we find out? Because they control the media, they control <clears throat> all kind of, you know, the po- political spectrum, all kind of outlets for people like you and shows like this are now limited, almost forced onto the internet because you're not going to hear anything in the mainstream media. So how are people who are trying to earn a living or make, you know, run their lives or raise their kids, how are they going to learn about this stuff? Cause if they don't even know there's something they need to learn about, how do we get, and I'm how, and this is what you do, but how do we get, how does the average Joe citizen educate himself and then help educate his neighbor? Well, I I know of this guy who write who wrote a book series called Good Gun Bad Guy, and um, I suggest they buy that to start, and that will open. It's it's actually and thanks for asking. It's uh, GoodGunBadGuy.com is the website, Gary. <laughs> We're gonna I'm, get to that. Okay, I'm, go ahead. <laughs> I know you will. But, but no. Dan, people that don't know you, that have never heard of you or anybody or John Lauder, whoever people are that, that that support Second Amendment, if they don't know there's a problem and they don't know the people that are going to provide the solution, it's just like you know, like Trevor Loudon, John Guandolo, Claire Lopez, all the people that talk about you know the communist uh, infiltration in the Muslim Brotherhood in the country. If you don't even realize it's going on, you don't know there's something you're supposed to even check out to figure yeah. out what's wrong. Well, that's what we're doing here today. You know, we're right. hopefully we're hopefully sparking that interest in some people who are listening. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. If they don't know, they just don't know. And there's no way to really, you know, uh, unless we can we can bring this topic more mainstream uh, with our perspective, with an honest, truthful perspective on the second amendment and and our rights unless we can do that the 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 left-wing media runs away with the narrative so but you know the good news is there are a lot of resources now that we didn't have before i mean you look at some of these new news networks and and they're speaking the truth and and we didn't have these networks before so it's a good thing so we're making uh, we're making it more difficult for the anti-American political left to get their message across. So it's getting better, um, but uh, 
people, if they're interested in this topic, they really just need to seek out. Once you start going to places like like um, Gun Owners of America, um, Ammo Land, you start looking at my books, Good Gun, Bad Guy stuff. You start looking at John Lott. You start once you start, you'll realize that there's a whole world out there that explains all this stuff uh, in a truthful way. And uh, and it's pretty fascinating. But the the left tries everything they can to prevent those messages from getting out. Right. So tell the people where they can get your publications. Tell them what they are. Tell them about your show and tell them about everything that you do that they can share with other people so they don't have to tell them. If they don't know, they'll let you do it. Sure. Well, I write for Ammo Land and I write for, I've written for Daily Caller, Western Journal, uh, Truth About Guns. I've, I've written for a whole bunch of different publications, but I, I typically write regularly for ammo land news and it's a great publication um to get the truth to get the facts and get the data um and it's fun too there's a lot of entertaining stuff in there too but uh so ammo land they can find me dan wass at ammo land uh if you just search ammo land search my name i don't know google it up or something you'll find me there um that's one way to get some of the information um my show the loaded mic is at loadedmic.com and that's Mike M-I-C, like microphone, loadedmic.com. And we have a a, a web show that's a, just a lot of fun. It's a total mm-hmm. blast. Yeah, we, you'll, you'll uh, like it, people. We we talk about primarily Second Amendment stuff, but we get into topics of the day and 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 news of the day, politics of the day. And um, my co-host John Chiara, we uh, our other co-host uh, Anthony Diso, my son Danny Wass Jr. produces the show. And we're on a couple networks now. So so it's really it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of laughs and, and it's it's just it's great. Loadedmike.com. I think you'll like it. And um, the other thing uh, is my good gun, bad guy book series. Like I, I explained earlier, I I wrote the book series because I thought it's probably the most important thing to be talking about right now, because without our Second Amendment rights. We got nothing. You know, the, the the left will take over and we'll be doing what they tell us. Um, but they can't do that as long as we have our Constitution and Bill of Rights. It's so it's important. So goodgunbadguy.com is where you can find the books and, and you can you can start to learn about what they're doing and how we can uh, either help them, because I believe some of them can be helped or defeat them which most of them will need to be defeated in this argument. Um, and uh, and I think we can I think we can do it, and I think we're going to do it. It's goodgunbadguy.com. Right, and he's got pictures of magnums on the, on the books, which is cute. Yeah, I, I noticed that because the uh, books. And, and, you know, Dan has done the homework, everyone. He's done the homework, was on the other side, came over, saw the light and has done the homework. So all you have to do is just get one person. You know, my motto is just get one flip blue to red. All you have to do is just get one person who sees gun ownership one way and sees it from the left and get them to understand what the founding fathers intent was and how they're trying to take this away from us, not because they're moral, but because they're evil and they have evil and bad intentions for this country. Along those lines, 
how does the Democratic Party, because everything they do is all interwoven and tied together. How do you tie the Democratic Party's fake racism into gun issues? How do I tie? Or do you? Well. Do they do they go together in some devious way, shape or form? Well, I, I, I guess in, in modern day, if we're talking modern day right now, that's what I like to look at. I mean, because we can go back to, in, in history and talk about how uh, gun restrictions were created and designed and targeted at black people. So to prevent black people from, from getting guns. But but let's talk about modern day, um, because that's what we need to be focused on, I think, you know, um, and, and what I see is uh, a lot of the inner cities, a lot of the primarily black uh, neighborhoods, west and south side of Chicago and and Detroit and, you know, areas where there's a lot of gun restrictions and uh, primarily or dominantly black population is where you're seeing all the death and crime. And it seems to me like if if Democrats wanted to empower black people like they say they do, they wouldn't restrict their God-given right to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, if if the little old woman living in Detroit is going out to get groceries and she gets mugged because she's in she lives in a bad part of town. How how does gun restriction help her when the bad guys pay no attention and she's disarmed? You, you know, it doesn't it doesn't help, you know, black people. If we if we want to correlate gun ownership with black people, like you said, um, that's how I see it. To me, it looks like it it hurts black people, at least people who are living within uh, the highly gun-restricted areas, um, which are a lot of Democrat-run cities. So um, that's my take on it. Without giving it a whole lot of thought in the moment, that's kind of what I see, and I hope that answered your question. Yeah, Dan, well, but and here's their, here's their faulty answer. And, and you know, this this is probably what you'd hear. Well, we would rather her be disarmed because at least she's alive. If she had a weapon, they'd probably put a bullet in her head. See, so, you know, they're saying, just let them mug you, old lady. Don't don't right. let them kill you. Right. You know, it's it's crazy. Well, know? what city? There was a city, and I, I, I don't know if it was Philadelphia or something. I think it might have been Philadelphia, where the, the, the car burglaries were getting so bad that people were just leaving their doors unlocked because they were tired of getting their windows smashed. You know, so it's it's almost like the the Democrats let the crime get so bad that the good people just kind of give up mm-hmm. and don't fight back. And we create a victim predator society. And that's what I think they're trying to do. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, Dan, I heard you speak uh, down at Rock the Red in Greenville on the uh, May 6th. And your topic was anti-gun propaganda. Please tell people what you spoke about and what all the enlightening information you gave us, why you chose that topic and um, what it was about. Well, I think I hit on a lot of that stuff. So Mm -hmm. the anti-gun propaganda 
uh, talked about gun violence. It talked about the ghost gun narrative. It talked about uh, things like weapons of war. We might remember Obama and Hillary using mm-hmm. weapons of war all the time. That's to scare people. There's no such. It's not happening. There's not like these. You got tanks and and all sorts of automatic uh, firearms floating around in the cul-de-sac at the barbecue. It, it just doesn't happen. But weapons of war on the streets of your neighborhoods is what they would say. So people would be scared. Um, I talked a lot about that stuff. The propaganda, uh, Wild West, you know, they'll use that term, Wild West. If more people have guns, there's going to be shootouts in the produce section and you're going to have all <laughs> this craziness going on. It doesn't actually happen, but they they can create those scenarios with their propaganda. So I talked a lot about that. We talked about the difference, um, the difference between the gun, defensive gun uses and uh, gun-related deaths, and you saw the correlation there that I that I showed you. It's a vastly more number of lives saved because of guns than than are taken. Um, I also talked about um, the number of the risk rate that we have in in this country. Um, so, for instance, if you take uh, the number of people in this country, about three hundred thirty million. And you take the number of violent attacks that we have in this country, about 1.2 million per year in America, and you do the math, you realize that you have about a about a about a one in 275 chance of being the victim of a violent crime. Now, that might not sound so bad, but I don't like those odds. That means out of 275 people, one person is going to be attacked in a violent crime. I don't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the anti-gun crowd will say, well, yeah, but I live in a I live in a nice suburban neighborhood. I, I don't have my odds are a lot different. Well, yeah, your odds might be a lot better. But that that means that like we talked about that little old woman in Detroit. Her odds got worse because mm-hmm. the number of people in America didn't change and the number of violent attacks in America didn't change. But a lot of that violence gets shifted to those areas. Um like the inner cities and where people are rendered unarmed and defenseless. So I talked a lot about that stuff too. Um, basically that's the, the, that's the stuff that I covered at rock the red, which was a great, great event, by the way, I had a lot. Yeah. Of fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And I, and I really, I really, I really enjoyed listening to you. Uh, you know, why isn't there pushback when uh, somebody across the, when somebody in a school, you know, like protecting a school or somebody's protecting a store, why isn't there pushback when the guy with the gun wins and saves lives or <clears throat> averts a catastrophe because that person on the premises or some private citizen had a gun and stopped a, a tragedy? Why is it every time somebody gets popped? It is just blared all across America, but all the times that the person who had a gun that they never had to use and may never have had to brandish, that is covered up. Well, we get cases like that all the time, like Stephen Williford. You might know who Stephen Williford is. He was the one who went and grabbed his AR-15 and chased the guy after the school, after after Mm -hmm. the the church, Mm -hmm. the church uh, shooting. Um, So. The truth is, this stuff happens all the time, every day. And um, 
so the but the problem is the the mainstream media doesn't 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 show it now if we we as conservatives had more um media and our media outlets weren't afraid to start speaking their mind which i think they're starting to more um the narrative would change it's all about the narrative because the narrative influences the people and the people go out and vote and that's really what this is all about but uh the the left has been able to control the narrative because they control the the majority of the media until now now like i said it's changing now uh we're starting to create our own social media sites uh, we never thought we had to. We, we we would have to, but we're we're doing it now, and we're lots of talk radio, lots of shows like yours and mine. Um, all these conservative voices are starting to come out of of the woodwork, and so everything is starting to change a little bit. Um, you asked about pushback. Well, there there is pushback, um, although I don't think we push a narrative on the right like they do on the left. We don't feel the need to boast and, and and the need to push narratives for the sake of political purposes. They do because their whole world revolves around their political ideology. Us, it's about living our lives as Americans and living in a free country and uh, experiencing the American dream, raising our families, enjoying our lives. Um, it, we don't it seems to me that people on the right, conservatives, Republicans, don't necessarily feel the need to push a narrative quite like they do on the left. That's probably why you don't see quite as much pushback. Yeah, I hear you. Well, we need to push back because they're trying to take this country away and we can't let that happen. And along those lines, my final question, Dan, give the people a word of encouragement, because it's funny. You go down to Rock the Red and you hear everything that's that's wrong but we 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 haven't lost this battle and we we are moving in directions to win this war on several different fronts how do you see this battle shaping up and are we are, are you know you have some encouraging words you can leave the people yeah. with i think in the end we win i think we win this in the end i, I think it's i think it's going to be difficult here for a certain number of years i don't know how long it's going to take but i think in the end Good always overpowers evil, and we are the good guys, whether they believe it or not, and whether they try to change that narrative or not on us. We are the good guys. We're the ones who are pushing for family and God and rights and Constitution. We're the ones support that, who support that stuff. So I think in the end we win, um, but it does take uh, the will of the people to do it. And people are rising up now. We're seeing a lot of it now. We're seeing all the way down to our school board meetings where moms are going in infuriated. You know, these are people, if moms are going in and yelling at the school boards, this is new. This is different. Moms didn't typically do this stuff. (laughs) But that should be encouraging to people listening because now they are. And if they're doing it, you know, everybody else is real Americans are getting pretty mad and pretty uh, frustrated and more willing to stand up and speak out. Uh, so that's that's the encouraging. That's the encouragement right there is that we're rising up and we will win. 
Yeah, that that's what we need to hear because but we need to it's not going to happen on its own. People, it's just like a gun can't hurt anybody if it's just laying down there on the floor or on the ground. We have to we have to do this. See, the left, they've been moving and moving for 75 to 100 years, just moving inch by inch, inch by inch, inch by inch. They 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 put us to the cliff. So now it's either we fight back or we go over the cliff. Dan, thank you very much for coming on. Before you go, please, one more time. Tell people how they can reach you and anything you'd like to promote. Sure. Thanks so much, Gary. I, I really appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. And let's let's Same do here. it again. Uh, you're doing you're doing a great thing. Keep up the great work. We Thank you. Really Thank appreciate I appreciate that. it. Yeah. People can find me at loadedmike.com. That's loadedmike.com or goodgunbadguy.com. There you go. And tell them the name of your books. Yeah, Good Gun, Bad Guy. Good, bad Guy, right. The yep. series, and it's a series. It's a three-book series, yes. And is there a fourth on its way? Uh, working on it, I just don't know how long it'll take. I've been busy with all sorts of stuff, so it might be a little bit, but there will be a fourth book. Yeah, well, you keep on doing what you're doing because we need people out there getting the word out because a lot of people don't understand why they're pushing this agenda and how they're pushing this agenda. And as everything that Marxists, communists, socialists, or anything on the left do, they use scare tactics. They want to make you think there's a catastrophe or there's this big uh, thing that's getting ready to go down. And it's not true. It's it's never they, they just try and scare us and scare us into giving away our rights. And we just can't allow it to happen. So, Dan, thank you for coming on. God bless you. God bless Sue. And God bless your family. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate it. Uh, you have it, everybody. Mr. Dan Wass, and he 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 told it at Rock the Red. He told it to you here. He gave you a lot of information. Please, people, learn it, understand it, and share it. Mr. Dan Wass. I want to thank Dan Wass for delving into why the Founding Fathers inserted the Second Amendment in our Constitution and why leftists are obsessed with its removal. If you didn't have clarity before on this subject, We hope this opens your eyes as wide as can be as to why we can't allow this to happen. Not in our America. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. That's all we've got time for now. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America.